0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Good morning. How are you doing? Gosh, we've got people everywhere, and that's good. You know, you know I've told you before what a pastor's nightmare is. I don't know what yours is. Uh, but once you, you know, grow up and get past that, being weirded out by our educational system, so you have that nightmare where you go to school and you don't have any clothes on, you know that one, the, the worst was to be a pastor and you dream nobody shows up at church, you've worked all the week for a sermon and nobody shows up, so thanks for showing up, hey we, um, I'm uh, beginning uh, my July break from preaching and from people uh, tomorrow. Uh, so um, I'm going to be in the services because I do not want to miss a single sermon that my pastor is going to deliver to my favorite church in July. Dr. Jimmy Draper uh, is uh, is coming, and uh, he is one of there are five men that God used dramatically huge, in huge, huge ways to shape who I am. Once you get past my father and my father-in-law, you hit Jimmy Draper. He's one of those. And uh, he is an incredible man. He's a world Christian leader. Uh, Pastors and missionaries and presidents and prime ministers in 35 countries have called on him for advice, spiritual direction. Uh, he is he literally is known worldwide. He was president of Lifeway Christian Resources, the largest publisher of Christian materials and Bibles in the history of the world. He did that for fifteen years. All these things, and he has no clue he's a big deal. He he does he just has it, which is the thing I like about him the most. And he's very excited about coming. I asked him a year ago if he would clear his July, and he said. Yes, uh, very enthusiastically, happy to do it, that's his motto. And so he um, uh, he's going to be uh, teaching us all four Sundays in July. And so he shows up next week, hope you'll be a part of that. We are, uh, we're talking about fruit this morning, you saw on the screen. And so I want to take you to the most famous passage in the scriptures on the subject of fruit today it's found in Galatians chapter 5 uh, verses 16 18 22 and 23 let me read it to you I say then walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law verse 22 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience, kindness, goodness, faith, or faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Pray with me. And so, Lord, we do come to pray to you, asking that you help us to put aside the things that clamor for our attention, Lord, and some of those are big things, the uh, physical challenges, illness Uh, grieving, great loss, financial challenges, relational fender benders, all those things that are even very important. Lord, help us to put those aside that we may hear from you and draw near to you, and you draw near to us, and help us today. It's in Christ's name that we ask these things. Amen. Now, this is God's Word. Uh, the, The mere mention of these Christian graces... In verses 22 and 23, feel like a drink of cool, clear, refreshing water on a hot, muggy summer day. Um, When a Christian reads these, uh, we are drawn to them. And the, the primary reason we are drawn to them is because this is a portrait of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what he is like. If you're wondering, some of you have been stiff-arming God, and I'm mad at God, and that's always a terrible waste of time, among other things, but many times it's because you don't understand who He is and what He's like. This is who He is and what He's like, full of love, full of joy, full of peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness uh, toward us, toward us, and um Let me be careful here. These qualities, every follower of Jesus, every real follower of Jesus, everyone who has been redeemed, everyone who has been adopted as a child of God through faith in Christ, everyone who has been saved, genuinely saved, we at least, at least desire these things in our lives. We, we at least are interested in these things. We're not apathetic toward it. Uh, we're not ho hum about it. Now we may not be making great progress, and we may be struggling in some of these uh, areas, and, and 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 we may be wrestling with with uh, the practice of sin in our life, and ter- terrible sinful attitudes, and terrible destructive values and behaviors. Uh, yet, yet, but if, if you're in the faith, if you really are in the faith, you at least are in the struggle. You desire these. If you find that you are not the least bit interested in the love of God in your life, in, in the joy that comes from knowing Christ, in the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension and guards your hearts and your minds, if you're, if you're not the least bit interested in, the, in, in, in the, uh, becoming a more patient person, uh, a kinder person, a, um, a, a morally good person, person who helps other people, if you're not the least bit interested in become, being faithful to God and other people, uh, to, ha, to, be, uh, uh, to be meek, to, to be able to control your own passions and d- thoughts and desires, if, if, if you just never even think about it, if you're just never interested in that because of God, I don't know, I'm, I can't say this for certain, but you might not be in the faith. I mean, you need to do a serious self-examination. I can't examine you. Only you and God can do that. In fact, a, little, a few verses further down the road here in Galatians chapter 6, he says, be sure to examine yourselves. Do a diligent self-examination. I mean, if you have absolutely no interest in these things, just apathy, you just never think about them. It's not even a tick on your clock. I'm telling you, you're... I just, okay, here's a way to say it. If you're not behaving right on the outside... Something's wrong on the inside. Because Jesus in the Spirit of God tends to show up on the outside. And we're going to unpack that a little bit uh, today. The fruit of the Spirit. And uh, let me just describe these uh, love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Love, he's speaking about the love of God growing in our hearts and our capacity to express it toward God and toward people. Joy, he's speaking of the joy of the Lord, and that's not mere happiness. You know, we Americans are going to celebrate life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, we do it to our demise, frankly, in our culture. Our, our Constitution may be killing us. But, um, uh, it's not mere happiness. It is a deep inner sense of well-being that comes from God and can just blindside us even in the midst of great suffering. Uh, pay, uh, look, peace is the peace of God, again, that's, that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus in tough times. Uh, patience. He's speaking here not of just being patient and waiting on things. He's speaking here in relation to other people. It's the, it's the kind of patience that uh, puts up with the rudeness and unkindness of people without any any intent to retaliate. Uh, when he speaks of kindness, he speaks of of the positive. Not only do we not seek to retaliate, but we we are able to wish well for those people who are rude and unkind. To us, goodness speaks of not only moral goodness, but it speaks of the kind of active goodness that takes that kindness and begins to, in concrete ways, uh, do good to people, even who are rude and unkind to us. That's that's what he's talking about here. Uh, when he speaks of um, faithfulness, he's not just speaking of faith or belief. He's speaking of reliability, dependability. You can be counted upon by God and by people Uh, when he speaks of gentleness he's not speaking of weakness Uh, the word there sometimes translated meekness and we think that uh, you know the meek shall inherit the earth and people uh, he wants to be meek well I do because if you understand what this means it's a powerful thing this is a word that means great great strength under absolute control Uh, It's the picture. How many dog people we got in here? I mean, you love dogs. You love dogs. Good, good. You've seen this. Uh, Have you ever seen a a big, mature dog kind of laying in the shade, taking it easy, and there's some puppies around, and the puppies are jumping, and they they decide they're going to just, and they start yapping at the big dog and snapping and jumping on him, and and he just kind of goes. You ever seen that? That's meekness. It's great strength under control. It's choosing not to just snap someone's head off literally that's the picture it's great strength under control and self-control means that we have mastery over our speech over our choices over our thoughts over our appetites and over our passions wow that's what he's talking about here now this is what it's not only a portrait of Jesus. This is what a fully transformed follower of Jesus looks like on the outside. I mean, this is the end. This is where God's headed with you and me if you're a follower of Christ. And if you're not behaving this way on the outside, if you've got problems on the outside, if you're not acting right on the outside, something's wrong on the inside. Something is absolutely wrong on the inside. So how does this happen? Well, there's a lot to this process of God transforming us. It's called the process of sanctification is the the theological term, but it's how God changes us in character to be like Christ. And so for that to take place, we must first of all to cooperate with God in this Christian change. It helps if we understand it. So we're going to deal today with understanding the nature and the process and the pattern of transformation, with the fruit of the Spirit. And here's the first thing you need to understand. Jot this down in your notes. It's supernatural. It's supernatural. Verse 22 says, it is of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, God's Holy Spirit. It is a supernatural work of God to be transformed. And... um, Verse 19, if you've got your Bibles open to Galatians chapter 5, if you're, if you're on your uh, iPad or your smartphone, scroll back up to verse 19, and you'll see that the Bible there speaks of the works of the flesh. Now, we unpacked this verse a little bit um, a couple of weeks ago here in this series. Uh, now, remember, to define the flesh, it simply means all that we are naturally apart from God's work in our life. It is our entire selves without Jesus, fallen from a relationship with Christ, sinful, self-centered, selfish. Uh, Left to ourselves, we will produce no fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Left to ourselves, we will naturally produce the works of the flesh, the deeds of the flesh. Now, John R. W. Stott was a great uh, pastor and theologian and missionary, and in his little book, Baptism and Fullness, in fact, I recommend it to you in your notes there, uh, he wrote these words, and I quote, "...when we are left to ourselves, what appears naturally is such sins as sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, and the like." Whereas the supernatural fruit of the Spirit is the opposite. Such virtues as reliability, gentleness, self-control. Left to ourselves, we rebel against God and lapse into idolatry and sorcery, verse 20 tells us. But the Holy Spirit leads us, supernaturally, into love, joy, and peace. Again, the works of the flesh are such antisocial blemishes as... Hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, whereas the corresponding fruit of the Spirit is patience, kindness, goodness, and so forth. So, let me sum it up. When we are left to ourselves naturally... in the, in the realm of the big three relationships, our relationship to God, our relationship to others, and our relationship to ourselves, uh, left to ourselves, we turn from God into idols. Left to ourselves, we fall out with people and live in discord and conflict and, and uh, disharmony uh, with people. Uh, left to ourselves, we indulge ourselves instead of controlling ourselves. That's the way it works. So, if we want to live in harmony with God, with others, and with ourselves, then it requires something outside of us. It requires the supernatural work of God's grace, the Holy Spirit. Or we will be sinful. Now... There's a cliche that you heard from your mama, certainly your grandmother. If you had a great-grandmother, you probably heard it from her. And it's when somebody in the community really messed up in a public way. You know, some sins are internal. Nobody sees them but us in God. Some are external and everybody knows about it. Unfortunately, some of you don't have any better sense than to take your internal sins that nobody would see and you display them on Facebook. What are you thinking? (laughs) That's another sermon for another time. So, but, but, but your, your grandmother would see, somebody would really mess up. I mean, one of the big top 10 things, breaking God's top 10 list, and she would say something like this, well, there, but for the grace of God, go I. How many of you ever heard that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I recommend you bring that back and make it a good statement because it is true. Instead of saying, getting angry at them or judging them or say, making them the topic of conversation at the, at, on break and, and on Twitter and everywhere else. We realize, honestly, unless the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit is in our lives, we're going to do exactly what they're doing not me you say yeah you are if you don't think you if you do not think you have the capacity in your heart to do every evil thing you can imagine that any other human being on the planet's done you do not understand human nature there but for the grace of god go i so we need it's the, so transformation is the supernatural work of God, the Holy Spirit. That's not all. just like the blackberries in our orchard, God created this magnificent system and, and process and put it in motion so that it is somewhat supernatural in that sense. It is also here's the second thing: it is gradual. Transformation is gradual, just like the growth of those blackberries is gradual. It is also natural and gradual. Now He calls it fruit. Fruit of the Spirit. He didn't call it, he said, works of the flesh, but he says, fruit of the Spirit. Two different metaphors there. I think Paul was right and very intentional in mixing his metaphors. Uh, All through the Bible, it speaks of our relationship with God. Uh, It is used to describe the kingdom of God and how it works. Uh, Agricultural, botanical illustrations. And he says, so this is fruit of the Spirit. Um... Like the blackberries in our orchard, growth is gradual. Now, given the right conditions, all fruit grows naturally. If you create the right conditions, fruit's going to grow. It's gro- going to grow naturally, and it also grows gradually. Now, you know what that means? It means you can't see it grow I mean, if we all say, hey, 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 let's march up and I mean, let's line up and march out and go line up along the blackberry vines out there this morning. Everybody pick a blackberry and watch it. Can you see it growing? No. No, you can't, can you? No, you can't. But it's growing. It is growing. And just in just the same way, spiritual transformation is gradual, the Bible says. It's like fruit. God produces it gradually. You can't see it happening, but it can be measured. People can come back later and say, you know, you used to be a grump. You're way less grumpy now. <laughs> I mean, the people notice it. on the, I mean, it starts showing up on the outside. Because, But if you're not behaving rightly on the outside, what? Something's wrong on the inside. But if something's right on the inside, it begins to show up on the outside, and it happens gradually. It's like seeing the growth of a child... Uh, we had a family gathering uh, yesterday at my mom's house, and nieces and nephews were there, and their children were there. And as I walked up, I looked at, at two of the my mom's great-grandchildren, and, and I thought to myself, wow, they've grown. So I decided to walk around and watch them grow a little bit. And I couldn't see it. But now if I don't see them again for three months, and I go back, oh, I can see it why it's gradual it is gradual now why would paul speak of love and joy and peace and patience and so forth why would he speak of it as fruit because god creates it in us gradually and so we need to understand that now god does the growing but we are responsible to create the conditions There are certain conditions He intends for us to create to be able to grow. So don't let the truth that the Holy Spirit is the one who works this change in us, uh, don't let it make you think you have nothing to contribute or that you have no responsibility. This does not mean you are to be passive. It does not mean you are to be lazy. It does not mean you are to lower expectations of God's work in your life to change for the better. God does the growing, but we're to do the sowing. Move on down into chapter six, beginning in verse seven, seven and eight. This is, by the way, one of the reasons you should pretty much ignore when you're trying to understand the Bible. You should pretty much ignore the um, the chapter and verse divisions. They were not originally there. They were given. They, a guy helped us back in church history just so we could look stuff up. But, but it'll help you understand the context and meaning of a passage. So we're in the same subject here. In verses 6 and 7, the Bible says this, Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up now again he's speaking of reaping transformation spiritual growth that's the context sowing sowing uh, again uh, john stott in his same book wrote these words sowing refers to the entire pattern of our thoughts and habits our lifestyle life direction and life discipline it includes the company we keep, the friendships we cultivate, the literature we read, the films we watch, the kind of pursuits which occupy our leisure, and everything that engrosses our interest, absorbs our energy, and dominates our mind. We, we choose and do that. We sow. So, what God would say here to you and me is this, start with the end in mind and determine what outcome you want for your life. I mean, what do you want to look like as you go down the road? What do you, what do you want your life to look like 90 days from now and one year from now and two years from now and five years from now and 10 years from now, 25 years from now? What, what do you want to look like? He says, well, it's pretty easy. You, you are standing on a fence line and this, this field is all the flesh the things of the flesh. This field are the things of Christ in the Spirit. So if you want to look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, then, then invest over here. Sow over here. But put that verse back up there. See that word? But, verse 8, the one who sows to the flesh will reap corruption. If you've got your Bibles open, circle that word corruption. Let me tell you what it means. It's actually a very gross word in the Greek language. the word that speaks of a pile of uh, decaying, decomposing human bodies. It speaks of, if you were to go back in the day and open up a grave, six, seven, eight weeks after someone had died, they call that they call all that mushy stuff that'd be in there corruption he says if you if you want your life to be full of sexual immorality promiscuity carousing drunkenness addictions factions conflict and you want it to you want your life to decay you want your life to decompose you want it to begin to smell you want it to be there to be a stench then 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 invest over here so over here because you you're not going to sow over here and reap over here it's the law of sowing and reaping it's amazing to me how people cannot see the connection between their actions and the consequences you ever notice that god help us god help us so He says, sow to the Spirit and the things of the Spirit of God, and your life will be increasingly taking on the sweet fragrance of Jesus and the life that He brings, the life of love and joy and peace and patience and so forth. And so, you know, out here, uh, almost two years ago, we sowed blackberries. And guess what we're getting? Blackberries and really good ones. Really good ones. So, what's our action step here? Since growth of the Spirit is supernatural, then we, we need both humility and faith. We need the humility that recognizes our own spiritual poverty to the point that we say, like Jesus encouraged us to say in, in John chapter 15, I, uh, uh, for in my flesh dwells no good thing. There's nothing in me that would commend me to God. I, I'm... I'm i am a sinful person in need of a savior also the faith that believe that god the holy spirit can totally forgive us redeem us trans- and transform us it, it, it since growth in the holy spirit the fruit of the spirit is natural then we need to sow we need to act uh, out and, and arrange our life around the disciplines the habits that jesus arranged his life around and that he taught that kept him in vital union with God the Father so that they may keep us abiding in Christ. Uh, Bible intake and reflection. Time with God in prayer. Gathering together to worship God with our church family in spirit and in truth. Serving people. God's purposes in the world. Time in solitude and silence uh, before God. Feasting and giving thanks. Fasting and, and drawing near to God. Sow into those things. Set your mind on the things of Christ. So if it comes naturally, then let's arrange our life around the disciplines that will produce the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Put us in the position to be transformed by the supernatural power of the Spirit. Now look at me closely. Since it is gradual... Let me speak to this room full of driven Americans. Have patience. Go ahead and have patience. Be patient. You're not going to get drive-through fruit of the Spirit in your life. You're not going to get microwaved fruit of the Spirit in your life. God's going to take His own sweet time in producing this sweet, Fruit of the Spirit in you. So be patient. I mean, some of you are so anxious about these spiritual things that you're going to make it to heaven if you don't shoot past it. So why don't you relax a little bit and enjoy this? I mean, remember, this is all about enjoying Jesus. And when you enjoy Him, He starts to change you. Enjoy Him. Uh, Ron Lewis, that great friend, some of you old dogwood people who in the early years Ron Lewis was a consultant that helped our church and we were all anxious to Jimmy you know to get this thing going and we'd all be pumped about all this hard work of the kingdom and he'd he'd always end every talk he'd say okay now okay now be sure to take time to kiss the joy so be patient enjoy Jesus take time to kiss the joy just like the blackberries out there just like the blackberries out there, spiritual growth is supernatural. It's also natural. It's also gradual. But number four, if the conditions are right, it is inevitable. It is inevitable. It is certain. It is guaranteed. It is. It is, without a doubt, it is unavoidable. It is inescapable. It is to be expected if the conditions are right. In fact, the very best available evidence that you are indeed a follower of Jesus Christ uh, is that the fruit of the Spirit is showing up on the outside. It is evident in your life. You're becoming more loving, more joy-filled, more faith-filled, more patient with people, kind toward people, doing good things for people. Uh, You are more reliable and dependable. Uh, God can depend on you, and people can depend on you. Uh, You are under control. It's the very, very best outward evidence that the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Because if you really are in the faith, it's inevitable God says it this way in Romans 8 29 for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son God has predetermined the certainty of transformation in character to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ who is saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone he has predetermined That he is going to do that. All who have saving faith will experience change. If you have the Spirit of God in you, there will be change. You will worry less. You will become more patient. You will uh, become a more loving person. You will become wiser. You will be able to face your troubles without being swept away by them. You must. G. Campbell Morgan was a British pastor and evangelist uh, and uh, Bible teacher theologian he lived in the last half of the 1800s and the first half of the 1900s and most of his life in London in one of his writings he talks about a trip to Italy and there he visited a a cemetery in in his journeys and in that cemetery he came upon the grave of a man it was an old grave there was a huge marble slab that covered the entire grave. The man, the, the grave was a couple of hundred years old, he says, at least. When the man was buried, they covered him up, laid that big slab of marble over his grave, an acorn was trapped under that big marble slab. And slowly, over time, a sprout came from that acorn, and then a shoot, and then a tree, and when morgan saw it there was a huge tree that had split that marble slab in half and was growing to the sun now it i i would have bet on the marble slab to win every time over an acorn wouldn't you if botanical growth is that certain and that powerful how much more certain and powerful is the spiritual transformation if the spirit of god dwells in you Now, you are are not saved by love and joy and peace and patience and so forth. Having the fruit of the Spirit in your life will not save you. The only thing that saves you is grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Faith in Jesus alone for our salvation. But look at me. But you will never be saved by a fruitless faith. If all you have is a fruitless faith... If you have some kind of belief that, that never produces transformation on the outside, I don't know what you have. But you do not have the faith that is described in the Bible that leads to salvation, that leads to being saved, that causes you to be adopted as a child of God, that causes your sins to be forgiven, that, that, in, that says that the Spirit of God will then dwell in you. You don't have that. You don't have that. You will never be saved by fruitless faith. You'll not be saved by fruit. Of the Spirit, but you will never be saved by a fruitless faith. You never, ever will be. So I think we need to ask them some pretty hard questions about ourselves. No, let's do better. Why don't you ask your friends? Why don't you ask their spouse? Why don't you ask your kids? Why don't you ask the people who are closest to you, who've known you the best and have known you the longest? Ask them about your change. Hey, how am I doing? I was like, kind of. can we talk about the Braves? (laughs) You know, some of you have been Christians a very, very long time, yet you don't have much desire to know God. You don't have much of a desire to obey God. Some of you have been Christians a very long time, yet you still can't keep a secret, and everybody knows it. Nobody brings one to you. You're undiplomatic and abrasive in some cases, You're very impatient with the imperfections and the sins of other people and very critical, hypercritical of them. Therefore, you don't really have many friends because you're systematically marking people off the list as you go through life, painting yourself back in the relational corner. You have a secret sin that you do in the dark and you've not been able to overcome it. You're not a very loving person. You tend to be very resentful you're always getting your feelings hurt and that's why you go from group to group and job to job and probably from church to church you're always uh, feeling snubbed always feeling like nobody likes me this is a lack of love this is a lack of joy this is a lack of peace this is a lack of patience this is a lack of kindness and goodness this is a lack of faithfulness and gentleness and self-control i am not saying that you're not a christian i can't tell that only you and god can tell that but i am what i am saying is this if this is you you cannot know you you cannot know if you're a christian you're uncertain i think we need to get certain So we're going to pray. Pray with me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.